Most of Governor Kim Reynolds' top priorities made it through the legislature this session. We'll talk with the governor about her agenda and what's ahead on this edition of Iowa Press. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation. The Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Elite Casino Resorts is rooted in Iowa. Elite was founded 30 years ago in Dubuque and owned by 1,200 Iowans from more than 45 counties. With resorts in Riverside, Davenport, and Larchwood, Iowa, Elite is committed to the communities we serve. Across Iowa, hundreds of neighborhood banks strive to serve their communities, provide jobs, and help local businesses. Iowa banks are proud to back the life you build. Learn more at iowabankers.com. For decades, Iowa Press has brought you political leaders and newsmakers from across Iowa and beyond, celebrating 50 years of broadcast excellence on statewide Iowa PBS. This is the Friday, May 12th edition of Iowa Press. Here is Kay Henderson. Our guest today has been Iowa's governor since May 24th, 2017. Last November, she won re-election to a second term in office by an 18.5% margin. In January, she asked legislators to pass a package of state-funded education savings accounts uh, for private school expenses. They did so, and the legislature adjourned uh, just recently. We have Governor Kim Reynolds at the table to talk about the 2023 legislative session and what's ahead. Governor Reynolds, thanks for returning to Iowa Press. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Also joining the conversation, Dave Price of WHO-TV and Aaron Murphy of the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. Governor Kay mentioned the ESA bill that was signed into law uh, early in the session. Uh, we've already heard some reports of some private schools out there raising their tuition. Does that in any way defeat the point of these, this financial assistance by, by offsetting uh, the the new assistance that students would have to go to these private schools? Yeah, I don't think it does. I mean, all schools are experiencing increased costs. We taught, had our public schools talk about it too, and that's why every year we look at a state supplemental aid payment because we recognize that there are increased costs. We'll monitor it, but they'll be able to use their foundation, the um, tuition tax credits, as well as the um, ESA. And the other component of it is just typically uh, your private school educators were paid considerably less than public school teachers, and so this will allow them to maybe be a little bit more competitive. But, you know, we'll monitor it. We talked about it, and I think uh, we'll be, they'll be okay. And you mentioned the, the teachers. If the private schools don't also increase teacher aides, do you see a future role for the state in that? Might the state require a certain no, level? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, each year we'll set the, the um, state supplemental um, aid, and that will apply to the ESAs as well as to the public schools per pupil funding. And so they'll see some increased um, revenue uh, every single year as well as the public schools. So like I said, we're just getting started. We're going to open up the system on May 31st. And, you know, anytime you pass transformative leg uh, legislation like we just did, a lot of times there's cleanup that needs to happen uh, in the follow-up years. And so we'll continue to monitor that. And it's just like, you know, we passed the, we provided flexibility to our public schools and I made it very clear that we're going to continue to work over the interim and continue to look at chapter 12 working with
with our public school um, administrators to see if there's additional things that additional burdens and requirements that we can relieve them of to give them more continue to give them more flexibility so that they can be innovative and competitive so i look forward to continuing that conversation as well governor i've probably heard you a time or 12 uh, <laughs> talk about how republican governors are competitive very uh speaking of uh of education in arkansas sarah right. huckabee has done esa's this session uh, she also had an initiative to raise public teacher pay. I believe we are still below net the national average. Is, uh, you all didn't do that this session. Is that something you could see next year as part of a mm -hmm. package? And I'm already talking about that. That's something, you know, this was a pretty big package that we put together this year. Um, and But that was one of the things that, as I talked to rural administrators and worked with rural legislators, the two concerns were the Chapter 12 flexibility as well as being able to be competitive for teacher salaries. They weren't able to pay a lot of times as much as some of the more urban school districts were able to pay. And so in the legislation that we passed, we provided some flexibility and categorical funding that allows all school districts uh, to roll some of that funding into teacher salaries. It can't go into administrators. It can only go uh, to, to increase teacher salaries or hire additional teachers. So we've given them a mechanism to do that right now. And then uh, we'll take a look at that next year. So continuing to work on Chapter 12, looking at teachers' uh, salaries moving forward. And then uh, just really looking at literacy and working with you know the bottom five percent of our school districts making sure that we're getting them the resources and the tools we have teams that are going in and working with them uh, but to continue continue to really drill down on that so that we're making sure that every student has an opportunity to succeed and be successful so that's uh will be stay tuned there'll be more to come next year i'm really excited to work on that over the interim you have a child laborer bill on the way to your desk. During debate, there were folks who said on the Senate floor that it was not about filling open jobs. It was about giving students more opportunities to work while they were teenagers. Which, which is it? Well, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, honestly, it helps fill a need and it allows kids to earn a little bit of extra money, maybe start saving for college or to buy that first vehicle. You know, I was over, I'm such a proponent of work-based learning, registered apprenticeship programs and giving kids the opportunity to work. I think, you know, it teaches them, first of all, gives them a chance to raise money. It teaches them to balance their schedule and to, you know, not only focus on school, but to also uh, you know, balance their, their timeline. But I, I was in um, the Quad Cities yesterday for a uh, registered apprenticeship signing, and we had 72 kids there that were signing an agreement to work with an Iowa employer staying in the state, and much of that started with giving them the experience to connect and work with employers at an early age. So it builds relationships, it helps them find what they have a passion for, and hopefully keeps them in our community. So it's both. Are you disappointed that the bill was dialed back from its original form? Well, you know, that's the legislative process. So, you know, that's that's what it takes to get bills through both chambers and to my desk. And so, you know, it, it, I, I wish I'd have brought a pa the paper with me. I mean, this is really common sense, practical things that are included in that bill. And I think it was a good piece of legislation, and I look forward to continuing to review it and probably sign it. One thing that's in there is a study about letting 
in the graduated driver's license process for yep. teenagers, letting them drive to and from work. What's your advice to legislators in regards to that? Well, I think the study is great. I think we need to be careful. We need to be practical. They need to have some, you know, experience. But we just, they're kids. They get distracted. And so that's why I think the study is probably uh, a good idea to just make sure that we're thinking about every aspect of that. Um, you know, we've seen the graduated driver's license uh, process change over time. Uh, cell phones have kind of brought a new element uh, into that. So we just have to be really careful about that. Governor, when you and uh, State House Republicans in 2018 signed the uh, six-week fetal heartbeat abortion ban into law, it was among, if not the strongest uh, abortion regulation in the country. Since then, other states have gone beyond that and, and, and signed either even further, uh, even stronger restrictions. Did those states go too far in your mind? Well, you know, I appreciate the legislation that we were able to get passed. I was proud to do that. Uh, I've made it very clear I'm pro-life and will do everything I can to um, maintain the rights of the unborn. And so, you know, we are working through the um, process and we'll wait and see what the where the Supreme Court uh, ruling lands and we'll make decisions after that. But we're, you know, I'm hoping that they make the fetal heartbeat bill law. So I'm hoping that we get the ruling that we're looking for and hopefully we'll know that I think by June uh, at the latest. So we'll wait and see what happens with that ruling. Over the last several years, you've pushed the idea of kind of behind the counter birth control yeah. access. Um, the caucus has not gone along with it enough. And you, you have some folks who fundamentally maybe don't don't want birth control mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. um, now you have huge numbers in the House and Senate right now. How do you go at it next year? And will you again? Is there a different way in on this? Like, how does this happen? Yeah, well, I will. I, you know, we're going to continue to fight for it because I think it's the right thing to do. I think, you know, that's part of uh, protecting life. Uh, that's a, par a part of that conversation. We got it through the Senate this year and uh, the House is where it continues to be held up. And so hopefully we can continue to work with the legislators and, and continue to just educate them and talk about why we believe it's the right thing to do. And hopefully we've tried a lot of different paths, Dave, to get there and we haven't been successful yet. So uh, I love a challenge, but uh, so we'll keep working on it <clears throat> and hopefully we'll get that across the finish line. Governor, the legislature set aside $500,000 more for your office. Yep. Will you use that to raise salaries or to hire new people? Well, you know, that's part of it. I, I'm managing a large business uh, in state government. I mean, it's an $8.5 billion budget, and that's just state funding. You know, it's, we had 10 point when you consider the federal dollars that come in as well. So we, um, you know, that could be a part of it. I want to make sure that I've got the right team around me and that I've surrounded myself with qualified people. I have a phenomenal team. We have a very small staff. Uh, but also, you know, with us, with being able to do what we did with the cabinet, I have a lot of resources in my state agencies as well. So it's a combination of that. Speaking of the cabinet, you've also been given authority to raise the pay for yeah. a group of state agency directors. What sort of uh, constraints do you feel, if any? Well, the budget is the constraints, and that's the pitch that I made to the legislators. They still ultimately, they have the ultimate uh, decision by setting the budget. I didn't, you know, they have to, if I increase the salaries of the directors that I've asked to serve in that capacity, it has to fit within their overall budget. You know, they've been absorbing that since 2011, to be quite honest, the increase in health care cost and salaries. We haven't, uh, most of the agencies haven't received any additional funding, so they've figured out a way to do that, but I think by streamlining state government, cutting 22 agencies from 
uh, my cabinet and really operating in a more efficient and effective manner. I mean, we're projected to save about, uh, I think it's $215 million over four years. I think that's conservative. It's a projection. Uh, so we'll wait and see. But I think, you know, we'll continue to do things more efficiently, more effectively, which will uh, allow us to serve Iowans better. There should be some cost savings in that that they'll be able to roll. Well, legislators have complained because county compensation commissions are sometimes raising county officials' pay by double digits, in mm -hmm. some cases, mm -hmm. you know, 52%. Do you have any, any top frame that you're not going to raise a state agency director above a certain percentage? Well, you know, that's why we have elections. So if county officials are, you know, uh, raising salaries to a level that their constituents uh, don't agree with, then, you know, I think that'll hopefully take care of it at the ballot box. I mean, that's what elections are for. So the budget is the constraint. When I take a look at setting salaries, we will do a comparison. I did this with the study that we put in place, actually, when we looked at consolidating and aligning government. That was a component. We looked what other states were paying uh, similar agencies. So we've got a great comparison to go by. Um, I'm asking these directors to do a lot. They're taking on additional responsibilities. I want to make sure that we're getting the best and the brightest in those positions. And uh, I believe that, Kay, I'll be able to justify whatever salary that we set. And I'll have no problem talking about that because of what we're asking them to do, the additional uh, agencies that they're taking on as we roll them into the, the cabinet. So um, we're, we'll be ready to, to make that argument and justify what we do to really um, get top talent. Everybody's looking for uh, talent. Workforce continues to be a big issue. Everybody is increasing uh, what they're offering uh, employees and, and leaders and executive positions. And really, state government can't be that much different or we won't get good people. Is it, if I can jump in here, yep. you're the CEO. Is it weird that <laughs> um, your agency directors could make a lot more than... A governor? Well, there's more than the agencies that make a lot more yeah. than the governor, if, even if you look down. Is that weird? Um, well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's probably something that needs to be adjusted at some point, too, uh, really. But, you know, it, that's really a hard thing um, to do, and it would probably need to be done for whoever the next governor is. It's just really hard, Dave, um, to, to advocate. I, I, it's probably not wrong, but again, you want the best and the brightest running for these positions, but I don't probably see that happening anytime soon. Governor, one of the bills, uh, if not yet to your desk, will be soon uh, waiting for your signature, uh, deals with the state auditor's office and <laughs> defines some um, specific information that the uh, auditor wouldn't be able to get a hold of or um, uh, if there was a disagreement about this. And this is the part I wanted to ask you about specifically, uh, would create an arbitration yeah. process uh, that includes the auditor's office the agency that is the subject of the investigation, and then the third person would be appointed by your office. Mm -hmm. How do you assure Iowans that that process, which is now the final stop, that's the other th thing the legislation does, it takes away the auditor's ability to take that arbitration uh, panel's decision to the courts. The arbitration panel's decision would now be final. How do you assure Iowans that that panel uh, with your office's appointee on it would be mm -hmm. an objective process and not a politically motivated one? Well, first of all, this arbitration process has been in place for 60 years. The private sector uses the arbita arbitration uh, process. Uh, this is, you know, he's part, the auditor's office is part of the executive branch, and I think Iowans expect uh, the, same, the executive branch to be able to work things out. Uh, it puts a process in place that allows us to do that. They have a time limit in which
which they need to come to uh, some resolution. But I think it's ridiculous. You know, as if my agencies have some conflict, we bring them in, we set them down, and we ask them to work it out. And uh, for the first place to go or to go to the courts to have um, an executive branch agencies, um, you know, competing against each other, it's, it's that the taxpayers have to pay for it twice. And I just don't think it's unreasonable that we can't come to some resolution through the arbitration process. Have there been any, any examples that you can point to where the auditor's office has gone too far that I think there's several out there. Needed? You know, this, the Constitution states that there shall be an auditor of state, and it's the legislature's responsibility to set what those duties are. Uh, this doesn't limit his access to information, but it does say that just information that he's curious about, he doesn't have access to that. So that's the legislature's uh, role and responsibility to set what, what the auditor's responsibilities are. They've done that. We'll take a, a look at it. I have 30 days to, you know, to make a decision on that piece of legislation, and we'll do that. With the prior uh, attorney general, and it was Tom Miller, the Democrat, you had that agreement that yeah. he would consult with you before he joined uh, multi-state lawsuits. Do you have that same arrangement with Brenna Bird now? No, that was subject to Tom Miller. He came to me and asked if we could work out, uh, work that out, and we were able to do that. We did it in an effective manner, and and uh, that was um, with Tom, between Tom Miller and my office. And I believe the <clears throat> the new uh, legislation will give uh, the attorney general uh, more authority to deal with local matters yeah. uh, that a county attorney is dealing with. I think Ron DeSantis in Florida had a situation where he then removed a county uh, county attorney for not uh, 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 being willing to follow, yeah. follow law on some things. Uh, can you see yourself doing that same thing? So if we had a county attorney who did not want to prosecute drug cases or whatever yeah. it was. Well, I'm not going to speculate until I'm actually faced with the situation, but I think the law that you're referring to, I think that was already, um, they already had the ability to do that. In Florida? No, in Iowa. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so the Attorney General's office already had the ability to do that. I think, you know, Attorney General Miller had been in office for 40 years and had just never really um, addressed it or had a different approach to it. And so I think the language that the legislature passed that they asked for just really clarified that they have the, uh, that they can do that if, if they so choose. But, you know, I, I'm just not going to speculate on what I would do until, you know, we have a case before us. I mean, so she has the ability to do that now. She had the ability to do that. They clarified her ability to do that, put some, some clarifying language and do you, in place. Do you want her to consult with you before it became, before she took that kind of step? Well, I don't know if she needs to do that, but, you know, we meet. We're going to try to meet on a monthly basis. I think that's smart. You know, she's, uh, to have that connection and that communication, and so we're trying really hard to keep the communication between the two offices in a good place. You've said your goal at the end of this current term is to eliminate the Iowa income tax. Um, the state is also... Um, it has not just one billion, not just two billion, but billions in mm -hmm. reserve and in different yeah. accounts. Why isn't that money being returned to taxpayers now, or are you hanging on to it in case the income tax thing doesn't work? Well, so it's a it's a it's a backup. You know, that's the it's there for that reason to reduce the tax burden on Iowa. It's okay when we do it too and a five-year projected budget, we do start to eat into the taxpayer trust fund a little bit. We wanted to make sure that with some of the challenges that we're facing at, a, at the federal level, the potential recession, which, you know, we're 
teetering on uh, right now. We wanted to kind of monitor Iowa's economy, let those current tax cuts that we've put in place, see what the impact of, of those are. And if we continue to see the health, the fiscal health, financial health that we are seeing with Iowa's economy, uh, we'll come back next year and we'll start to utilize um, hopefully some of those funds to bring down the tax burden on Iowans. You talked about governors being competitive. We have 15 uh, colleagues. I have 15 colleagues this year that are trying to get tax cuts through their legislature uh, north across the board. Everybody's bringing them down, and so we can't just st stay still. We're going to have to continue to look for ways that we can be competitive and, and bring those down. So I'm really excited about you know just the uh, feedback that we're getting for with not taxing retirement income beginning this year is exciting. People are making different decisions because they don't have to leave the state uh, and go to Florida or. or, or or Arizona, where the tax burden is lower, they can now stay here and go down there for, I said, maybe two months uh, during January and February and enjoy some warm weather. But, but they're going to stay Iowa residents, and that's good because they have discretionary funds that they spend in our main streets and our communities. They volunteer, and they're just a really valuable asset that we want to keep here in Iowa. So those are, those are really good things. Last week on this program, Speaker Pat Grassley said the legislature needs to have a conversation about tax policy and the right display of, you know, income, sales, yep. property, those kinds of things. Um, it, if you eliminate the income tax, you have to readjust the sales tax, number one. And, and number two, how do you replace the income tax in a state budget where it accounts for about half of, of state spending? Well, so you grow, you know, revenues grow because we have a lower tax burden, but the, all of that's a conversation. We have to look at tax credits. We have tax credits in place because, Kay, we weren't competitive with other states, and that's how we try to um, bring make us more competitive. So that's part of the conversation. Uh, we need to take a look at the, the funds and the taxpayer trust fund dollars that we're setting on. That's part of the conversation. Uh, we need to look at, you know, I said we, we took some initial steps this year with property tax reform. But really what it does is it kind of starts to lay the foundation to continue that discussion uh, going forward. So all of that will be on the table as we try to figure out how we reduce the tax burden on Iowans, but we do it in a responsible manner so that we can still honor priorities that are important to Iowans while continuing to look for ways to reduce the tax burden and make us more competitive. And we have a history of doing that. I mean, the very first tax cut that I signed into law, I think in 2018, uh, we had triggers in place because, again, we weren't sure what was going to happen with the ag economy at that point, which is really a significant piece of our economy. And so we wanted to monitor that. We, we made it through those two years and eventually removed the triggers, and we're going to continue to see, hopefully, growth from the decisions we've made. Governor, real quick, um, you have, uh, as you mentioned, 30 days to sign these bills. There's a lot coming your way from the last few weeks of the legislative session. Are there any you're planning to veto? Well, we're still reviewing them, so I'm not going to say yes or no. I mean, we've got a, they passed quite a few at the end. Once things started moving, I thought we were going to have maybe a, a low number of bills this year, but boy, once things started moving, that number increased quite a bit. So we're going to sign quite a few bills today um, that we've received, and we'll continue to, to look through them. Uh, you know, so I just don't know at this point. Uh, let's talk uh, 2024 presidential here. You have said that uh, you are remaining neutral in this process. You have some candidates coming through our state saying time to turn the page uh, from the from the Trump era. This past week, we saw the civil judgment against the former president. Um, 
uh, for an incident uh, for a couple, from a couple decades ago. Um, since you've been governor, while I don't know that I've heard you talk about it a lot publicly, it seems anecdotally like you've worked to elevate women. Um, but when I, I see you when you speak to groups, um, clearly with your staff and some of your hiring decisions, does a decision like this jury decision, this, this civil judgment against the former president, does that bother you? What bothers me is what I see happening at the southern border right now. What bothers me is an ineffective president and administration that is allowing um, the, the invasion of our country. I mean, that's what we should be talking about. We should be talking about what's happening right now. That should be the topic of conversation. Title 42 is just about today. Is it today? I don't know. Where it's, uh, they let that um, go away. We have over 5 million uh, illegal immigrants that have entered this state. Look at what's happening with fentanyl. It is unconscionable. The number of young people that are being killed by fentanyl. But all the this borders stuff are can open. matter, though, right? But, are you but, just but, not going to weigh in on these individual well, things? But, but no. Why should I? Let's focus on the big picture. Uh, we, are, we are facing a recession. We are seeing the cost of living escalate. We are seeing women's rights being decimated. We are seeing uh, a border that the cartel are operating. I don't even know how they're doing what they're doing down in Texas and Arizona. I feel so sorry for those border communities. I have to deal with the fentanyl that's pouring into my state and every other state in the country. Let's get our priorities straight. Let's figure out who is gonna have uh, the resolve to step into this position and make the tough decisions that are gonna have to be made to turn this country around. We can't continue with what we're continuing. It is a national security issue. Uh, you know, we don't know who's coming across the border. They're lining up for miles. It's gonna get worse. I, it's just, it's unattainable what we are facing right now and somebody needs to step up and do the right thing. It's intentional or they would be doing more to stop this and to send a message Governor. that we are a country of laws and that we should respect the border. Three and a half years left on your term. Yep. Will you serve all of that term and stay in Iowa? My goal, yes. I've talked about what I'm working on next year. Um, excited about uh, continuing the momentum that we're seeing. I mean, I can't, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, but, but my, my intent is um, to continue serving the citizens of Iowa as governor. I love what I'm doing. We can't continue this conversation because we're out of time. Thank you, Governor Kim Reynolds, for joining us today. Thank you. You can watch every episode of Iowa Press online at iowapbs.org. For everyone here at Iowa PBS, thanks for watching. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation, the Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Elite Casino Resorts is rooted in Iowa. Elite's 1,600 employees are our company's greatest asset. A family-run business, Elite supports volunteerism, encourages promotions from within, and shares profits with our employees. Across Iowa, Hundreds of neighborhood banks strive to serve their communities, provide jobs, and help local businesses. Iowa banks are proud to back the life you build. Learn more at iowabankers.com.